Welcome to Relationships as Spiritual Practice, Bridging the Secular and Spiritual. In this special episode, join Lachelle and guests, Matthew Letterman and Mark Idetta, both of whom offer this work to others and study with wise heart, ask questions and offer their own discoveries as they cultivate this important aspect of mindful, compassionate dialogue, consciousness, and skill. Welcome. Thank you for being here. I'm here today with Mark Idetta and Matthew Letterman, Matt Letterman. And Matt has his own business teaching the consciousness of nonviolent communication. What's it called, Matt? Uh, right now, Connectin. Connectin. Connectin.com. And Mark, you're a candidate for and to be an NVC trainer, certified as an NVC trainer, right? Yay, congratulations. Thank you. Hope you enjoy that whole process. Looking forward to that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I certainly enjoyed mine long ago with Robert Gonzalez, who passed, I think, just last year. And today we're coming together to talk about honest expression, which in my own system which incorporates nonviolent communication by uh, modalities of mindfulness-based therapy and mindfulness. It's the third of 12 relationship competencies. And we're just here to kind of have a conversation and explore, well, what does it really mean to integrate this particular set of skills and understanding regarding honest expression and really what is honest expression so our whole time together is defining it exploring it understanding how to make use of it in our lives do either of you have a place you want to start there i remember when you first used the term honest expression and that was confusing to me i didn't i didn't really know i didn't quite understand what that was you would i remember you saying you have a choice you can do self-empathy, empathy, or another honest expression. Uh-huh. I don't know if you want to just sort of do a high level. Yeah, just kind of a basic definition there. Yeah, just to get everybody mm-hmm. on the same plane there. Yeah. Yeah, such an important distinction. Unfortunately, I think in the English language, the word honesty gets thrown around quite a bit. And especially when we hear people say, I'm just going to be honest with you. And then we tense up immediately. Because mostly that means I'm about to share with you my opinions and judgments and possibly some advice about how you should be living your life. And so we're making a a really important distinction in this work that honest expression is an ability to share your experience in a way that serves the connection between you and someone else and in a way that takes that has you take responsibility for your experience. Really different from just saying, I'm going to share my thoughts and opinions. If you're engaged in honest expression, you likely feel a little uncomfortable because just sharing about your own experience without giving someone advice or telling them your judgments and your opinions is vulnerable. 
So that likely includes discomfort. And, you know, sometimes in the world of nonviolent communication, we say there's a stage called obnoxious giraffe in which people learn like, wow, I can share my experience. I can share my feelings and needs. And what's more, there's a whole list of, I didn't even know how many, depending on the list you look at, but at least 40 feelings and at least 40 needs. And so people get excited. They have a new vocabulary and a way of understanding their experience and making requests to meet their needs. And they dive in and they maybe have not yet attuned to, well, when does that support the connection? And when does it have me sharing honest expression with someone who can't hold it? And then there's pain because I've shared my vulnerability and it's like my heart gets dropped on the floor. Or when am I doing that and I'm not remembering the request piece? So I'm just tossing my experience over to someone hoping they'll know what to do with it. So there's a lot of layers of discernment that come along with that, that usually take quite a bit of practice to arrive at. And also I imagine the intention behind your honest expression can be felt too. So if we yeah. say, yeah. I'm feeling really frustrated and I really wanna be heard, you know, you wait until I'm done speaking to start talking. That might be the, the words, but if, you know, if it's, if you're basically saying they're not hearing me, it's about them versus mm-hmm. owning my responsibility to get my needs met. And then also caring how the other person is going to receive what I just said. So I think yeah. if I'm basically thinking they are not hearing me and they need to hear me, yeah. that same words are not going to really fulfill the honest expression criteria. Would you agree? Mm, yeah, thanks for bringing, super important, Matt. Thanks for bringing that forward. Both the intention, I heard you name the intention when we're sharing, is the intention to connect or is it to get someone to do something you want? Super mm. important distinction of consciousness. And the second part I heard you say is when we're sharing, we're not throwing out our caring for the impact on the other person. We're, really, we're still caring about how our words land for them. Mm. Yeah. So you can't even do an honest expression if you haven't gotten to the point where you can care for the other person. If you're in that mode of they did something wrong and they weren't, they were ignoring me essentially, but I'm going to say it and fulfill honest expression words. You're still yeah. not really doing an honest expression, right? Yeah. Well, we, I think we would want to examine that word care because sometimes when we say care, we think, oh, warm, fuzzy teddy bears. Hmm. And I just want to make space for, I can be, have some anger in my system and say in an angry tone. And I want to tell you what's true for me because I care about this working between us, Hmm. right? So you can have some contact with your care, but maybe you're not in a warm, fuzzy space. Mm -hmm. And the distinction then being, Michelle, that I'm taking responsibility for my experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and what's coming up for me too, is, as we're talking about this, is just our social context. And <clears throat> within our culture, at least in particular, we have a dynamic where if we start talking about our feelings, eight times out of 10, the other person is taking that as... Um, as 
almost an expression of blame. We almost instinctively hear feelings and say, well, I caused those in you. Yeah. And so instinctively or habitually. Yeah. Habitually. Yes. Absolutely. And so that being sensitive of this dynamic, I think also might help. Um, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily craft our expression in a certain way, but at least bring more consciousness and awareness what we're up against, the tide that we're we're swimming in. Yeah, um, thank you. Hmm. And that's why Marshall Rosenberg, the founder of Nonviolent Communication, used to say, and when you express a feeling and a need with the speed of light, did he say that or did I say that? I get it mixed up after a while. Did he say, Matt's shaking his head, yes. With the speed of light, follow it up with a request. Otherwise, it's emotional terrorism. I know he said that part about emotional terrorism. <laughs> Just because of what you're saying, Mark, right? Because people hear like, oh, you're blaming me. And now I, now I either have to defend or take responsibility, one or the other, right? Yes. And Michelle, I think this also comes to a point that Matt and I were discussing um, in preparation for our conversation on this topic. And that is the idea that oftentimes with most people bringing up our feelings when we're expressing ourselves does seem to trigger. And I I think um, I want to run this by you. Um, The idea of, I I know that Mickey Kashtan, um, uh, I know I've heard her say in one of her um, courses that she Mm -hmm. typically will coach people by leading with the vision first. Mm, yeah, I like uh, that. I do the same. I say yes. lead with the felt sense of the met need. Yes, yes. Yeah. Doesn't it seem less jarring than saying, when I saw this, I felt this. Yeah. Like we almost begin to kind of close down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah. 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 And, you know, it's a super important concept the mm. difference between an observation and an interpretation. So traditional, just for those who are new to this world, traditional nonviolent communication formula says, when I observe, and then you say something a camera could record, I feel this because I need this, and would you be willing to do this? You know, it's a a profound formula in that it's naming these various important parts of dialogue. But it's just like you say, Mark, the problem is that as soon as people hear both an observation and a feeling, there's a good chance they're hearing blame. Yeah, I think Mark, yeah, because we wrote, Mark, uh, by leading with the dream, you intercept the ability of people to take responsibility for others' unpleasant feelings. Yeah. And beginners in NBC will often hear other people's feelings as them causing those feelings and then react to that. Yeah, exactly. So I know when with um, talking to my daughter who will feel shame more easily, mm-hmm. I'll start saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about to tell you something. I want you to know that it's coming from, I really want us to work as a team together. And mm. I know, and then I'll reassure, I'll even see that they value that too. I was like, and I know you care about us working as a team together too. Mm-hmm. but then yeah make that connection happens. around the vision first right so that's i think I part of honest expression is setting up mm-hmm. that connected sort of sandbox right mm-hmm. and it and it makes a big space so that they can sort of have 
brace themselves for okay and something you just did didn't quite meet my need for partnership but it's yeah it has that foundation now to fall back on yeah exactly yeah so the ground mm -hmm. go ahead Mike. piggyback on what matt is saying before before we lose this thread mm -hmm. things that we also discussed too that i thought was um would be helpful to contribute to this conversation is that a lot of us that start out with NBC, particularly nonviolent communication, when we first begin, we have this um, this need to want to be authentic. And and as you were saying in the beginning, Michelle, your intro, how mm -hmm. a lot of people understand authenticity to kind of just lay it all on the table without any show them how I really feel, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, Which is the, how I really think usually not how I feel, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> absolutely. They would see focusing on the need and not really sharing what they feel is maybe a compromise mm. to them. They get kind of caught in a trap yeah. where they where they don't, where they think, well, I've got all these feelings and judgments, and yet what I'm going to do is talk about a shared value, and am I really being authentic? Right. And they might find themselves caught there. I wonder mm -hmm. uh, what you might share with someone within that space. Mm -hmm. Well, I would first just highlight like there's a seems to me there's a pressure like that with speed in our in our culture, at least here in the States, where things need to be quick and fast and, you know, have some punch. And and so, wow, talk about a tragic way to run a relationship, imagining that everything has to move quickly and be immediate. Mm -hmm. And the attachment to that strategy of now, I have to tell you everything that's going on for me now, or I'm not authentic. It's a huge trap. And so if we can find some freedom from that pressure of now from that sense of urgency that we've been conditioned a lot of us have been conditioned into then we can ask an empowering question what's going to be the first thing to do to bring us back into connection and that will have me be that increase the probability that i could be heard and that i can hear you in the first round and so we're thinking already that dialogues, challenging dialogues require rounds or it's a spiral of greater intimacy and greater understanding based on creating a secure emotional connection from the beginning. And so the thing, what happens is people say, woof, that sounds like a lot of work. That'll take time for me to figure out how to speak from the need first and to do like what Matt was saying with his daughter, to create that shared humanity around, we do wanna be a team first. But in fact, if we consider dialogues that we've had over and over again for 10 years with a parent or a partner, that's a lot of effort. <laughs> and those dialogues and arguments repeat because we're not taking the care to communicate what can be received first. And once that security is built up, then we can share. And can you believe I was having this horrible judgment? And the other person is so connected to you, you see, 
Yeah, what were you thinking? I was just thinking you hated living here and that you hate the way I do everything. And they're like, wow, that was pretty big judgment, you know, and they can laugh. But it takes a while to get to that level of emotional connection where we can just see a judgment as a judgment and we don't take it personal and let it trigger us. Yes. Uh, what's coming up for me as I hear that is that there's almost an established culture when it comes to expression. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times people don't even know what to expect when they get in conversations. It's almost like either you're right or I'm right wrong or you're wrong and i'm right and there isn't there isn't even a way to understand how to really meet what needs are best met through a dialogue when there's pain mm, yeah good distinction right it's it, it's almost like mm -hmm. learning that we have different needs first and, and and noticing that if i if i take this move in this conversation i'm only going to be meeting this need i might meet my need for self expression I will not meet my need for care. I will not meet my need for harmony. <laughs> I, will, I will not meet my need for flow, but I will meet my need for self-expression. <laughs> yes. We can celebrate that. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but it's almost like there needs to be some initial coaching on, listen, this is the palette of needs that are available when we're triggered and we're with our loved one. Beautiful, Mark. Um, yeah, how can we connect? How can we make this how can we touch all of these? <laughs> mm, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're stuck in self-expression, right, mm -hmm. in that moment of, and I can either do the judgment or nothing at all, there's sort of a demand energy on yourself to say, I got to express myself right now. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Versus just saying, hey, what would really serve connection is to wait and maybe even let them know I'm stuck in judgment and this is, I'm going to work through this for a little bit and then circle back. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And that brings up a quote that I have on, on this topic. May I share it? Sure. All right. <laughs> this quote um, is by uh, Tanver Nasser um, on authenticity. And he writes, authenticity isn't about being the real me, but being true to our purpose and mm -hmm. values that drive us. End of quote. I'll read it one more time. Authenticity isn't about being the real me, but being true to our purpose and values that drive us. Hmm. Love it. What I, what I really appreciate about that insight is that if we're able to keep our definition of authenticity on that, hmm. then meeting all of our needs in a conversation is being authentic, mm. necessarily sharing what I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> that yeah. wouldn't mean it for care. Right. It also reminds me of, and I had a hard time understanding this when I started with NBC, is that time is a strategy. Yeah. Right? So if you express yourself now or later, those are two different strategies mm. for meeting that need of expression, right? Mm -hmm. And there's something about having to do it now and not realizing now is just one of many strategies. Yeah. Yeah, my friend, Fer Mateo. But I think he got this from our Nina question, Nikki's sister. Something like, where do we get stuck? We get stuck when we say something like, now, with this, only with this person and only in this way. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So also like when we feel that pressure, well, I have to say what's on my mind, but do you have to say it to that person? <laughs> like maybe we could choose just to, even if we just adjusted one of those variables, we would have a little more connection. We would cost fewer needs. Yeah. I want to highlight what you said, Mark, about authenticity, because I think it's so like our identity is so central to our empowerment or our pain, right? The way we define who we are is central to that. And so I just want to come back and I just want to like solidify that a little more that when we look for the real me, it's like a trap. Mm. It's like, I, I see, I just get an image of someone walking around and they're just grabbing stuff off a shelf. This is, you know, in their experience of life, this is the real me. I wear a jean jacket, I wear scarves. That's the real me, you know? This is a real me. I like blue t-shirts. This is the real, you know? And it's just like, woof, talk about a way to make yourself crazy trying to figure out what the real you is what you identify with and i love the eloquence of that quote that says what if i'm going to add a little something to it what if you didn't have to decide what was the real you and you just asked yourself the question what's most important to me what's my deepest value and longing in this moment and then the real you gets to be ephemeral and flexible and ever-changing. Yeah. And you don't have to define it. Yeah, I love the in the moment, right? Because then it's dynamic. It's not yeah. that static, yeah. the real me. Yeah. It reminds me of like trying to figure out what you're going to wear 20 years from now. And you're like, I have no idea what I'm going to wear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah and it triggers like just when you say that matt i can feel like ooh, it triggers that insecurity of we don't actually know the future hmm. right predictability is a little bit of a human delusion <laughs> <laughs> or a lot bit we could say yeah but it, we when we try and get security from I can predict. I know who I am and I can predict. I will always be ba 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 ba. We're trying to get security from a place that doesn't hold any security. And then when that thing we identified with crumbles, disappears, then we're in a lot of pain and suffering. But if we're identifying more with what I value in the moment, nobody can take that from you. Mm -hmm. No hurricanes, I, no earthquakes can steal that from you. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. And you're less likely, I imagine, to deal with guilt and shame because when you can't stick with the real you or that static definition, whatever that was, then you try to protect it, maintain it, yeah. defend it versus just shift because it's a new moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it allows incredible flexibility when our authenticity is based on our values, our deepest values in the moment. Yeah. I have a good um, sort of, I think, a good uh, story, though, about um, not owning other people's 
sort of expression. So it's uh -huh. sort of like, maybe it's reverse self-responsibility. Like, hey, they're honestly uh -huh. expressing and it's not about me. Their differentiation, maybe. Yeah. The last competency. But it came up with when my daughter's got into a fight and the older one was writing a journal about all of her judgments and how angry she was. And, uh -huh. and the younger one who she was mad at um, said, can I read it? And I'm like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> no, please, no. Do not read that. And she read it <gasps> and she walked away and she was fine. <gasps> and then I read it. I said, you know, Kylie said, do you want, you want me to read it? The older one. And I said, are you sure you want me to read this? And she goes, yeah. And she read it and it was like, I'm like, oh my God, like, this is awful. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. And she, and in one, in one part of it, she was like, I, uh, you know, I hate her. And, da, da. and then I went yeah, into my younger daughter's room later and I said, you know, did anything come up for you around that? And she goes, and she was totally calm. She goes, no, dad, why? And I said, well, I read what stuff in there. She goes, no, Kylie's just really angry. I write that too when I'm angry sometimes. <gasps> <laughs> like, wow. She just recognized it as it a reactive totally voice that's anger. not real in a certain way. Right. And I was like, wow, like I couldn't even do that. Yeah. I started to like take on some of the, yeah. the judgments and then trying to protect the other daughter from it. Yeah. And I was making something that didn't. So it was really, really nice to see like, wow, I'm, I'm having a harder time with this, right? Like mm. that's her judgments and let her and then when that happens, I could see as parents, we start to teach kids to, to keep those to themselves because yeah. they don't flow freely then if you, if you start taking responsibility for them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So yeah. I thought that was, that was helpful to see that. I love that. I, I wonder if what we do is we almost culturize and socialize our kids to take them personally. By the way, we react to other people's expressions. Yeah, modeling, because we're huh? busy taking it personally as adults, maybe. Is that what you're saying, Mark? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, and I know that both Matthew and Alona mm -hmm. are in such a culture within their home with their girls mm -hmm. that I can see why that capacity is mm -hmm. um, of bearing beautiful fruit. Yeah. Being able to see that separation between the thoughts. Yeah. And, 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 and being ephemeral. And when you let the space for honest expression, even if it's in judgment, I think that's tough, right? Because sometimes we'll say, that's mean, don't say that out loud. You know, so we start yeah. to help them with care, maybe. And maybe there's a balance there, obviously, right? Like journaling mm -hmm. is one thing. And if the person mm -hmm. wants to read it, that's their choice, I guess. But versus just saying it out loud and the other person doesn't have any choice about their exposure, maybe. Mm, so we do sort of, you, for that. you know, we sort of model, mm -hmm. say it here, but don't say it there. And they might internalize, don't say it at all. Mm -hmm. Right. Because actually to that point, Kylie said after we, she laughed and she goes, I forgot to write something in there. And it was like one other like mean thing. Like, you know, I wish I didn't have a sister or something. <laughs> and I go, she, and then I go to her and I, but it was interesting. I said, Oh, maybe your body wouldn't let you say that because it didn't really, you know, believe that. And she smiled. She goes, yeah, that I think you're right. You know, so oh, it was like, wow. you, you know, what I mean, like, because mm. we let it versus like, how could you say that? You know, mm -hmm. Don't say that. Yeah, there wouldn't have been space for that natural evolution in her to be like, yeah, I didn't really that didn't say right. You know, that's more than true for me. Yeah, it's yeah. tough as parents, though, right? What do you let honestly express? And what do you 
where do you start to say, hey, there's a boundary here? Well, it, it seems like you're making a really, really important distinction that I think is so important in that people who say, oh, um, I hate nonviolent communication. It's just people are trying to force you to speak a certain way and they're policing the way you talk and, right, and they have these bad experiences. Rightfully so, because there's a, there's a misinterpretation of honest expression as policing what we say or policing mm. our consciousness. And what we're really trying to do is just what your daughters did is to recognize a part of experience for what it is mm. and take responsibility for that. Yeah. So there's wise discernment about when I say something and who I say it to as far as the impact. And there's also, if the environment can hold it, a lot of times we can say a lot of things if we just say, and I know this is just a reactive thought. This reactive part of me says, and I know that when that reactive part says, I don't wish I never had a sister, that it's just longing for peace and predictability. Mm. And maybe some extra attention or care. So it's that owning each part of our experience for what it is rather than this is reality. The reality is I shouldn't have a sister. Like, and your daughter didn't believe that. She got that out of her consciousness onto the paper and she saw, oh, I don't actually believe that. Okay. Yeah. And that's that part about setting up the space for honest expression will allow mm -hmm. things to fly that without setting that tending initially yeah. will be taken differently, right? So yeah. I know that if I come at with I'm angry about this happened with the kids and this is what we need to do and da, da, you know and we're gonna stop doing this and to my wife let's say I start expressing that mm -hmm. she'll be like whoa why are you making all these decisions without me and yeah, yeah. Uh, but if I say hey I'm so annoyed right now and I'm gonna express a bunch of strategies but I'm not really gonna follow through I just wanna underneath yeah. can you help me get to the honest yeah. expression yeah you share your and intention it lands fine right. Yeah, so she can be with you. Oh, this is where all this is coming from. And she maybe could make a decision. Oh, yeah, I'm happy to hear that. Or uh, I'm right in the middle of something. Right, right, right. Exa exactly, right. They get it. Uh, is this the right time, too? Yeah, yeah, choice. Michelle, can I go back to the point you made about nonviolent communication sometimes being seen as uh, almost a policing of language or maybe attitudes? Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed that because I, I think that a lot of times we even can impose that on ourselves where we'll have a certain emotional experience and we're thinking, mm, yeah. that's not really nonviolent or, or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And in creating that space, that emotional space where there's freedom and autonomy to take a strategy that doesn't meet needs or to, you know, to, to take a course of action where certain needs are, are, are left unmet mm -hmm. and giving and making that a teaching opportunity a non-judgmental opportunity mm -hmm. where the choice to choose maybe a non-violent communication tool or skill then becomes an actual option from autonomy and freedom and joy mm. as opposed to that superimposed this is what I need to be doing because it's non-violent communication and it's the right thing to yeah. do. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's a matter of coming from one's life energy mm -hmm. is feeling like there's some sort of moral imperative to do something 
that ultimately is soul crushing. And I think also <laughs> sure, per yeah. perpetuates the strategy even further because yeah. it, it's like we want to fight. No, I'm going to continue to do this because I'm not going to tell myself what's right or wrong kind of a thing. Right. right. What comes up for you with that? Well, yeah, I'm hearing you just move towards this core teaching of mindful, compassionate dialogue, what I teach, and I think also what Marshall taught, is that life flows with less suffering when we make our decisions based on our experience of what matters, rather than some idea of what I should or shouldn't do. Yeah. And if we're willing to take a risk and do something that we don't, we think one part of us is saying, don't do that. It's not going to work out. <laughs> and another part is saying, but I want to, I want to, I want to. And so we do it. And then we have an experience of the results. And so the next time when we go to make that same kind of decision, we don't reference I should or I shouldn't. We reference our experience. Ah, when I had that cake with all that sugar, I had the experience of the pleasure of the sugar in my mouth. And the next day, I had the experience of inflammation in my body for the whole day. Hmm. What do I... How do I want to choose based on that? Maybe you say, I'm going to eat the cake again because I'm okay to suffer a whole day with inflammation or whatever, but you have data to make your decision rather than ideas. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Mm. And then when we get a critical, you know, I've said, I think we've even said it before in one of our talks, we get a critical mass of clarity about what really serves our life. We naturally choose that. Because we naturally want to, we want to be happy. We're beings that want to be happy and not suffer. Sometimes it takes a lot longer than we would enjoy to get to a level of clarity about certain <laughs> things. We don't see how cause and effect come together. I'm surprised how long it took me to connect sugar to inflammation, right? For instance. And then once I did, I'm like, well, of course I don't choose sugar. I hate that feeling in my body. Yeah. Love that. Mm. You complete there, Mark? I am. Thank you. Yeah. So, so um, you ready for another question, Michelle? Yeah, sure. So, when someone honestly expresses something like, "My mother just died," let's say, right, but doesn't make a clear request on or how you know how do we ask them how we can care for them in a way that still meets needs for flow? For example, people will say, "I'm sorry for your loss," but maybe the other person doesn't want an apology. So how do we get clear on what someone wants back after their honest expression if they don't make a clear request or know how to do that? And I'm most mm -hmm. curious to see how, like how you do this or what your internal process is. And I think that example is particularly helpful for me around, you know, hey, so-and-so just died and mm -hmm. what goes on for you then when they just put that out there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe let's, let's look at at least three things about that. Okay. One is that, most of us have a number of habits about how we respond to someone's pain, which I think we might have touched on in the last uh, talk when we talked about empathy, all these not empathy responses, like habitual things like I'm sorry for your loss, or can I bring you some soup or whatever their <laughs> habitual 
here's how I meet someone's pain, right? Right. Let me give you a hug, a non-consensual hug, right? <laughs> or whatever it is. So we're trying to build our awareness up in such a way that we recognize, oh, this is my habitual response. And know the difference in our own bodies between attunement and ha habit, right? So attunement is when we're trying to read someone's body language, tone of voice, words, get all the data we can to understand what they want back. So we have a choice at that point. If we're in attunement, we have a choice to make a guess without asking and reach out and touch their hand and see if they soften into that. Or we have a choice to say something like, what would be helpful right now as you're dealing with the loss of your mom, your mom just died? Would a hug be helpful? Would it be helpful if I brought over some soup tonight? Would it be helpful just to tell me about your mom and what you loved about her right now? I have some time right now before my next thing, I'd be willing to listen. So maybe we ask a question. Of course, I recommend when we ask what someone wants back from what they say, we give some menu items because most people don't know what they want back. Some people do, and they'll tell you right away, I just need a hug. But a lot of times they don't. And so it lands as, you know, it triggers disconnect for them. If you say, what do you want back telling me that? And they just look at you like, never mind, <laughs> right? And just walk away. Right. Yeah. I've spoken to people on both sides of that, right? And a lot of them say, I don't want, they know what they don't want, right? I don't want pity. Yeah. And I don't want, right? So it's like, yeah. 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 But you, so it's either attune and try and, and test something out and then yeah. be looking for cues back or yeah. ask with a menu type of approach. Yeah. And if we're really impacted by what this person shares, our ability to attune probably goes down. Yes. Right? Like if your mom just died and they're saying their mom just died, you're mm. probably immediately in your grief about your mom. And mm. then you're more likely to just offer the person what you want <laughs> rather than attune to what they need. So you can even just say that out loud. Oh, when I hear you say that, I just go to my own mom's death, which was last week. Just give me a moment to be with you. Hang on. So that's the honest expression back to their yeah. honest expression. Yeah. 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 And it's also interrupting that immediacy habit in our culture. Like, oh, I have to figure out how to respond right away. That's not a rule, actually. <laughs> you could say, oh, I don't know how to respond. Give me a moment or just be transparent. It's such a trigger for us, though, isn't it? Being in this culture, seeing in media how everyone's got a, a response right back. It's, and it's yeah. very polished and perfect. Yeah. In those moments, there is almost that social pressure of coming back with some sort of response that's going to somehow fix or heal or comfort the situation. Mm. So that 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 uh, a capacity to attune in that moment really requires, it seems to me, high degrees of presence. Yeah, yeah. really present very quickly, mm -hmm. um, especially with with the, with the gravity of the news of someone's you know close loved one dying. Um, mm -hmm. I love you, that. 
you might need a moment to arrive at that presence. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Give me a moment just to hang, hang on. I'm, I'm, I'm coming in. I'm going to be with you. I'm just taking that in or however you say it. But yeah. You're going to say something else, Mark. Go ahead. Maybe just to continue with that thought that you just shared. <laughs> that idea of just maybe even taking an honest reflection saying, oh my gosh, I, give me a moment to hold that. I'm, I'm feeling at such a loss right now. Mm -hmm. now, now that might be a self-expression that that person really didn't want or need but mm -hmm. i can see it at the same time that being authentic and caring at the same time mm -hmm. yeah. but that might be all the juice we have at that moment right just being transparent about what's true yeah yeah right hmm. we just don't have the habit of doing that no we don't yeah, yeah. that's all mm -hmm. Learning to pause. Yeah. Learning to allow the pause so a little more connection can flow, attunement can flow. I love that point. I think that a lot of people appreciate the pause as well when we do it, even if they're uncomfortable initially, because it yeah. brings of sense of reality, doesn't it, when we pause? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Helps us arrive. It does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my students have told me for years in workshops, like, oh, I love it when you pause and you just close your eyes. I don't have an immediate response to all my students' questions or comments. And so, but I know if I pause and I just let it sit for a moment, something arises, something always arises. Yeah. And I can see how in the context of, of a teaching that that would flow. Mm -hmm. But when, when you're hanging out with some buddies at the bar and they make a point and, and taking a moment to pause might have less social mm, mm, flow to it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, why not bring that in? Why not bring a pause into those moments where typically, you know, the quick-witted response is, you know, the socially, um, maybe the, the socially uh, desirable thing. Mm -hmm. Bringing the pause in really does bring presence back and, yeah. and clarity. And so with an honest expression, I'm really seeing the value in making the effort to have that be a priority too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And people, I have a friend, my friend Manu from Argentina, who has a vocal habit of saying, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and so I think he's trying to create that pause, right? In a more obvious way. He's trying to say, let me, I'm taking that in. Give me, give me more time, right? Or sometimes people say, um, 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 um. And I think that's another way of like, they're trying to slow the conversation down. Yeah. It's a little easier, I think, if we could relax into silence because then both people could settle. But we're, maybe we're not quite there yet in most spaces. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing and smiling because I, I find myself doing that so often, putting in ah, uh -huh. and I think it's my way of trying to bring some comfort to the silence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, sure. But, but that is such a good point, though. Just 
but it's almost the point of awareness, isn't it? Just saying to myself, let's let some silence be and and see what comes up. Yeah. Michelle, you'll do an honest expression around that though when you pause sometimes. You'll say, you'll take a breath and then you might say, let me, hold on a second. Let me see what comes up for me around that, which is to mm -hmm. me, an honest expression in and of itself, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm pointing to a need for connection, self-connection in that case, perhaps. And, and sort of reassurance that, hey, I'm, there's going to be a little pause here and mm -hmm. you know, it's okay. Yeah, it's, I'm giving reassurance that I'm staying with what we're saying. I'm not moving right. on. Mm -hmm. Right, you're not, right. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. And Mark, when we go to the bar, you can pause all we want. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> will not be awkward. Okay. Yeah, you can give. Well, that's a good point, Matt. You can give people permission too, right? You can you see someone struggling to say what right. they want to say, and you can just say, "Ah, oh, take your time." Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'm okay just hanging out while you just find what what you want to say and what's true for you. Like Which circles back to attunement, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Hmm. And, you know, so my students tell me the most difficult part of honest expression is that piece of making a request or taking responsibility for what you said by knowing what you want. Why did you say that? What do I want back? Or how do I want to move forward with action? And even there, you can simply say, I don't know what I want but I am still thinking about it. Please give me some time. <laughs> so it's not about policing. Oh, you said you expressed what you're feeling in need, but you didn't make a request, right? You're an emotional terrorist. Yeah. You're an emotional <laughs> terrorist, right? We have a whole new set of labels, great. Yeah. So I have another uh, question if this is, if there's space for that or Mark, did you wanna? No, let's hear your question. Okay. So another one was, I think this is around skill six in, which I don't know, did you uh, let everybody know about what I'm talking about? Uh, your, yeah. Your, yeah. In each competency, in each of the 12 competencies, we define six practical, specific and doable practical skills. Yeah. And what's skill six? Matt? So side on and have skills. This was just in relation to skill six. It would probably be helpful to know what, I didn't, in my notes, I didn't write out. That's okay. So um, this was when our needs are in deficit or they're tender needs, mm -hmm. that when we do make a request after our honest expression, we might have more trouble hearing a no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was you know, needing to identify those and be extra intentional with our request around those. Cause I noticed um, sort of, if there's a way to discuss, you know, the person's support, our desire to be able to hear a giraffe, no. Like, can mm -hmm. we sort of be aware of that? And that's the self-responsibility and then ask or maybe even give a different request. Because initially it might be, I, for example, with, hey, you know, dad, can you come out and fly out and visit my family? Yeah. And I'm really hoping he'll say yes for my need for mattering. And if he says yeah. no, I might feel hurt. Yeah. Or, okay, so maybe I need a different request first. Hey, dad, can you first acknowledge that you really want to come out and visit and that my family matters to you. So yeah. sometimes my request with a tender need will make it hard to hear a giraffe no. Mm. Mm. So I was thinking that, um, are there ways that you tend to do that to sort of 
increase the chances. And I know you talk a lot about needs and deficit and tender needs. So I thought that would be helpful here. Mm-hmm. Really like it. I like what you're saying, Matt, about you're moving from this broad strategy for mattering, in this case with your dad, this broad strategy of come visit to a more immediate in the moment strategy of just in this moment, dad, could you just offer some reassurance that I'm important Mm -hmm. to you, that you care about my family and staying connected with me and my family. I like that. And it requires more vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. So that might not be so accessible for everyone to be that vulnerable and that direct about your need and asking for that reassurance especially if someone is scared, if if they're not sure it's true, right? There's a you in there that knows you matter to your dad. And that's why you can make that request. Basically, you're making a request for the parts of you that, you know, are from the past that still carry some of that hurt from the past when you didn't know if you mattered or not from Mm. your childhood or whatever it might be. So I just want to recognize that that kind of vulnerable request comes from the part of you that's pretty confident in the response. And you're just giving a gift to the parts that are less confident. Otherwise, we have a strategy of before we make a request, having several ways that need could be met so that if the person says no to the first proposal, we still have some confidence. Okay, you don't want to come visit. Well, what if we met in the middle of the country for a camping tr- camp out mm. this summer? Or, right, we have something else in mind to go forward. It helps give us yeah. a little space. Which, which is particularly around knowing, hey, this, this is a need that's been in deficit, particularly with this person or around mm-hmm. this person, or it's a tender need in general. Mm-hmm. Having that menu to sort of, increase the chances that you're going to stay connected mm-hmm. if they don't want to do that or can't, or for whatever reason, don't take that initial request, uh, make a yes to them. Yeah. It gives you a place to go in the dialogue too. Keeps the energy moving. I like that. Interrupts any habit you have of collapsing and hopelessness or moving to anger or whatever the reactive habit might be when someone says no. Hmm. So there's sort of two, there's multiple ways to meet your need in that moment versus, you know, hey, we're planning, a, will you visit in the future? And then there's different ways to get together in the future beyond you just coming to visit me. So there's sort of like two steps, all of which are around needs for mattering and mm-hmm. connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it starts with, in my head is, hey, I'd like dad to visit. And I'm nervous to ask him because maybe he'll be too busy. Mm. that's that's the initial consciousness Mm -hmm. so then there has to be i guess some internal work Mm -hmm. to broaden that out and yeah yeah recognize maybe he's too busy is maybe a little boy in there from the past saying that right 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 right. (laughs) yeah give that part of yourself some empathy perhaps too Mm. yeah it was so painful when there was a time when you needed needed wanted more attention from your dad and he was working, for instance. Are you aware when you are going to have a hard time hearing a no to a request? Like, what's that process like in your body? Yeah, I'm, I'm aware because I'm really nervous. 
and I'm looking for ways to avoid having to make that request. Mm. And so that tells me, ah, there's something, probably a tender need there. And there's probably also like, I haven't connected with other ways to take care of that need mm. with that person or in general, could be either one, right? Mm. So need that need is in that sort of that deficit piece where, hey, I've met my need for mattering with so many people that this is just icing on the cake versus this is the only time I'm going to matter. And is if this mm -hmm. request is okay. Mm -hmm. And when reactivity is up, it blinds you to how much you matter to so many other people. It blinds you to the fact that, oh, my need is met in so many relationships. Mm. Temporarily, you have temporary blindness, right? Which increases anxiety or nervousness or a shutdown. Whatever. So even taking some time to just acknowledge all those ways that mattering is experienced. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's another strategy, I guess, that we're naming is that if you mm. identify the need underneath the request and you identify, well, where is this need met in my life? You're already going to have more groundedness and resource for making a request. And here yeah. we know. And it, and it sounds like this process is you might just get to the honest expression and then you feel nervous around the request. And that's as far as you, you know, like just that awareness is probably growth right and then to do all yeah. these other steps right yeah yeah celebrate it all yeah nbc is so simple and so complex at the same time right <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely <laughs> what if we see check in and see if we have something we want to close with for now mark do you we haven't heard your voice. Is there something important before we sign off that you want to bring forward? Oh, I'm just celebrating this conversation and really treasuring the um, the collaboration here and the learning. Um, I think I'm I'm pretty complete in terms of of uh, my honest expression questions and thoughts at the moment. But thank you. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Anything for you, Matt? No, I'm, I'm, I've enjoyed this. This is always great to, for me just to hear and integrate and sort of try out all the different corners and spaces. And mm -hmm. it's an ongoing, ongoing experience for, the, for me to learn compassionate, mindful, compassionate dialogue. And mm. I really appreciate your just your contribution, you know, and um, the way you think about things and the way you can express what's going on inside you so that I can actually gain something from that mm. and then start to model it myself. So it's not having necessarily been brought up on that. I, I need that, you know, to, that as a role model. So I really value that too. And then the Lachelle pauses. I call them the Lachelle pauses. <laughs> I've been I've been experiencing more of those too, and I love it. So thank you, Lachelle. Yay, yay! I'm so glad to hear all of that to be a contribution in your life. Yeah. Mm. And I'm just celebrating too, kind of sense of flow I feel with the two of you. I have this sense like 
when when two of us are going back and forth, the other one is absorbing at a at another level, and then kind of another layer of subtlety comes forth. And I'm just appreciating all the inner work that the two of you have done to allow that kind of receptivity and integration and coming forward with insight and curiosity. Thank you for that. Hmm. And thanks to everyone who is listening or watching and being with us and everything you're doing in your life to grow and evolve and embody love and compassion in this world. Thank you so much. Next, see you next time. Bye. You can learn more about Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and find free resources, live offerings, and self-paced workshops online at www.wiseheartpdx.org. You can also connect with WiseHeart on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or by emailing info at wiseheartpdx.org.